You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. You know, we went back and forth a little bit more. I talked to a couple other teams, and, you know, again, those teams made very good offers, but but not quite uh, to the level of, of Vancouver. So, in the end, I felt very comfortable with what I was hoping to get at the beginning. Felt like uh, I got that and maybe a little bit more. So, very, very excited. Very, very excited. The words of Flames General Manager Craig Conroy Wednesday night on a special edition of Flames Talk. Helping break down the biggest trade so far in his early tenure as GM of the Calgary Flames. A deal that saw Elias Lindholm traded to the Vancouver Canucks and five pieces, including Andre Kuzmenko, return to the Calgary Flames in what could just be the beginning of a very, very busy lead-up to the trade deadline for the Calgary Flames. Welcome into Sportsnet today. It's Logan Gordon in prime time. Peter Klein along with you. What's up, PK? Not much, man. My timing's uh, pretty good. Popping back in for a, a couple of days following a, a trade. I'm, I'm feeling pretty lucky with this one right we now. We've got a ton to get to. Yeah. Uh, we're going to continue to dive into yesterday's trade between the Flames and the Vancouver Canucks. Look ahead to perhaps what's next now that the Flames have moved on from one of their key UFAs. Uh, just because we haven't interrupted his vacation enough, uh, we're going to hook up with Pat Steinberg in yep. BC uh, here in the first segment, get his thoughts, you know, less than 24 hours afterwards and just sort of see where he's come out on this All-Star Weekend's beginning in Toronto. So we'll check in uh, with Pat on vacation. Thursdays always mean to chat with our pal Adnan Verk from uh, the Cinephile Podcast, MLB Network, NHL Network. Uh, and, of course, we'll... Uh, Chat with Megan Mickelson, the nice. color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960. Olympic champion, world champion. Right. The list of accolades go on and on. We'll get mixed thoughts uh, on this deal for the Calgary Flames and even take a peek into what the lineup might look like now for this Flames team when they come back uh, after the All-Star break, starting off a four-game road trip in Boston against the Bruins. Uh, <laughs> nice ease back into it. Yeah, really. All right, we're really. just... Change the face of this franchise. Uh, have at it, boys. Yeah, really step into it casually for the <laughs> Calgary Flames. Uh, we're live in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios for our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems. Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement It was DLBasementSystems.com. Fan feedback line open to you at 960-960. Feel free to shoot us a text if you're listening live. We'd love to hear from you. On this Thursday, our outstanding producer here in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio this afternoon is Shan Virgie. And uh, PK, uh, I got to uh, experience it firsthand, uh, the breaking news of Wednesday night and dove into it on a special edition of Flames Talk uh, with Pat on Wednesday night as we sort of went through the news and the whole process and then uh, eventually got the details. We chatted with Elliot Friedman. We chatted with Craig Conroy, as you heard. Uh, on the way in there and still processing what's been, in my mind, the biggest trade that Craig Conroy's consummated as part of the, as the new GM of the Calgary Flames this season and yep. uh, still dealing with the fallout of that. We haven't had a chance to hear from you yet uh, on this station as to your reaction to it. What uh, what did you make uh, of last night's swap between the Canucks and the Flames? I, I, I really, really like it for both sides. Um, I, I think given where we are, we'll probably focus a bit more on the Calgary side of things. Um, but no, I, I think that this is a, a really good trade for Calgary. And so many times with deals like this, you, you try to make four quarters equal a dollar. And while that like literally does work, it doesn't really work. But you look at some of the pieces that you're getting here. Um, obviously, the first round draft pick, that was something that people wanted included in a Zadorov trade. Um, and so I, I think that kind of had to be something that was included in this. It is. And so check. You get a, a piece that like we, we've seen the Flames have a, a bit of a want to have at least something that, that can help them out in the, the immediate. I believe you get that in Kuzmenko, and I'm sure we'll talk about him in a little bit, but I, I like this player a lot. And so you get him in there, check. And you get someone who has been uh, described in various things that I have read as uh, the best puck mover in the Ontario Hockey League and a potential top pairing defenseman on your NHL team. So check. And you got two pieces after that. So I think this is a really, really, really good job 
by Craig Conroy. And it's interesting how things have kind of shifted with him in the last little bit. Because when I was here on Monday, we're talking about rebuilds and stuff. And there were some people on the tech line who were like, um, like, okay, like retool, rebuild, whatever. Like, what have we seen from Conroy? That means that we can trust him. And then you, you fast forward to social media last night and it's like, okay, so gold or bronze for the statue. Um, yeah. how, how should we, we handle this? But no, I, I think this is a real good job by Craig Conroy. I think he hits the timing of it perfect. Like there's so many aspects of these trades, right? And you and I were kind of talking about it off air and I'm sure you've brought this up on air too, but you're, you're not getting this trade certainly from Vancouver in September or nope. in August or anything like that. And now by waiting it out, seeing Vancouver is all of a sudden apparently turned the clock back 12 years and just awesome again. You have a team that is now desperate for this player. You make a move early enough so that um, Kuzmenko has a chance to, to maybe get hot and maybe you flip that around or who knows where, where, what direction they go with that. But it, it gives you time to, okay, you got this thing. Let's see if we can shine it up real nice and maybe move it on for, for something else as well. So I, I think the timing of it is great. I think the, the assets that you get is phenomenal so so overall um tens 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 across the board for me yeah I, I i've continued to process it i've continued to try to hear different perspectives on it i, I think the most common one that's come up was well did you steal a, a prospect from vancouver did you steal a top-end prospect for van from vancouver in the sense of you know some of the big names hoaglander was out there of course um you know, Lecker Mackey, there's there's those kind of guys in Vancouver that you, you probably would have loved to to see at some point. But I mean, you're talking about Hunter Brewster, which is a guy that is third in OHL scoring as a defenseman. Yeah. That's among all players, by the way, not just as defensemen. That's so I think Vancouver was selling high on a guy that was a former third round pick of their organization. Um Elliot mentioned it to us yesterday. It wasn't a guy that Vancouver was overly confident they could sign mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Uh, we've heard a bit from Hunter today. It sounds like he's really excited about the opportunity in Calgary. So that'll be something to watch for. But I think as far as potential goes and as far as – because that's what this comes down to, right? Yeah. We can sit here today and say it was great and we think this worked out really well for Calgary, but we don't really know. Or you can only base it off of potential today. And yeah. I think that's what you needed to see was, okay, you've got a first-round pick. That's potential. you got two defensemen in a system that needed help on the back end. That's good. One of them's got really high-end potential. I have no idea. I'm not a scout. Uh, I don't pretend to watch a lot of Liga uh, over in Finland. I How can't you. tell you about Yoni Yermo uh, and how well he is going to project as an NHLer. But you've got film on him. You've got some sample size on him, at least, for your pro yeah. scouts and your amateur scouts to have evaluated as part of this trade. And like I said, it'll be one of those ones, PK, where I think you, you can't really judge it in full for, like, I don't know, 10 years? Right. Is that, a fair, is that a fair timeline to look back at this and say how many of these guys turn into NHL assets for the Calgary Flames? That's probably what you're looking at. But as far as the immediacy from the trade... I, I think you're right. I think you checked a lot of boxes if you're Craig Conroy, and that's kind of what the retool, rebuild is mm -hmm. is all about, is about those prospects and about the potential that one or maybe two of the guys that you get out of these deals turn into real critical pieces for your organization down the road. Yeah. No, and that that is part of it, where when you are making a move and acquiring five different pieces – I uh, obviously the best case scenario is all five of those pieces are joined together arm in arm as they hoist the Stanley Cup above their heads, yes, signifying the dawn of a new day with the Calgary Flames. That generally doesn't happen. It's Bru it's it's Yoni Yermo to Brustowicz to Kuzmenko for right. the one timer in Game Seven of mm -hmm. the Stanley Cup Final in overtime, and Bax passes the cup over to Kuzmenko as the first pass of the cup. Yeah. And and they live forever in flames lore. And but... the, the, the two pieces who were drafted were, were also out there. We don't know what their, their <laughs> names were. Uh, the, one of them's a Ginla. And, and that's, yeah, exactly. that, that's yeah, sure. the best case scenario yeah. of it. But for, for what you're trying to do is you are hoping, like, one of them for sure, it'd be sweet if it was two, really work out. Yeah. Right? And it seems like you, you have a couple of pieces in there that, that could do that. Like I said before, I... Am higher on Kuzmenko than a lot of people are. I do kind of get the feeling that it's kind of a uh, maybe rent don't buy 
sort of a, a situation. But I mean, if, if he sticks around, people were talking about him last night, like it's like Joe Pavelski. And he's like, oh, well, he's going to die soon. So I don't know why you'd want to keep him around. But at 27, 28 years old, scored 39 goals a season ago. I, I, I have a, a real high opinion of this kid. And I think that it's a lot like Sharon Govich, where he now comes into a situation where they're kind of just going to give him the keys of the power play and just be like, hey, go. Yeah. And that that's going to, to open things up for, for him. And so either you, like I said, polish that up and move him on somewhere else and the trade tree grows bigger, or you found a piece that you can actually feel comfortable with. And then you get a kid who sounds like like at his peak could be a bit of a difference maker on that blue line. And there were some people saying that the Flames were buying high on Brustovich. Yeah. Nice. Um, I understand that, but also it does seem like you're buying a little bit low on Yermo, who it seems like there is some upside there, but it hasn't quite all come together. So I think you're buying high on one, you're buying low on another. Hopefully it meets in the middle. And like I said, that they all come up and it's, it's all spectacular. But I think the one part of trades, because you're right, like the overall, you can't really judge a trade for a long time, especially when there's futures involved. What you can judge right now is the amount of value you're getting based on the player that you have. And it's, it's weird to talk about players as assets, but that is kind of the, the industry they that we're in. commodity, yeah. Right. And so when you look at trading a player who I know he's saying today that he would sign with the Flames. By the way, I would sign with the Flames for $9 million as well. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. There's about the same chance. Uh, maybe he has a bit I of a leg up on me. A little bit of a leg, um, but not but, much. But not much. No, um, I, I feel like we've both spent the same amount of time being nine million dollar NHL players this year. So I, I think that you, you move out a guy who you're probably not going to re-sign and get five relatively strong pieces back. It is it it it's a home run. It well, is from well, a flame standpoint. The question all year long was: Has Lindholm tanked his value? Right? Has this down year for Elias Lindholm all of a sudden brought it to the point where Craig Conroy is not going to be able to get the kind of return that right. we wanted when this first conversation <laughs> began? And he proved that clearly the NHL and the, at least the Vancouver Canucks from this perspective still saw a lot of value in him yeah. and were willing to pay that price. Speaking of Elias Lindholm, uh, we had our first chance to hear from him uh, this afternoon. The NHL All-Stars have descended on Toronto Many of you have asked, no, there will not be a Flames representative. Everyone is either in Toronto or en route to Toronto. They have uh, only a certain amount of spots that they can give out to people. They've got their list set for all the skill events, PK. So, no, there will not be a Calgary Flames representative, Elias uh, Lindholm, um, speaking to the media a few minutes ago in Toronto, had a Canucks logo above his name and... Yeah. Uh, this will just be a year where the Flames don't have a representative, for those of you curious. But here's what uh, some initial comments from Elias Lindholm as he... Elias Lindholm. I'm getting Elias nope, and Elias. No, nope, he's in with the Canucks now. He is now Elias, they're all Elias. Lindholm. Yes. Uh, here he is speaking to the media in Toronto uh, after being traded to the Vancouver Canucks. Mexico and then uh, mid-flight, I, uh, I somehow got some service. And uh, I was peppered by some, uh, some text message and, and phone calls and... So, uh, yeah, uh, I was traded half, half, halfway back to Calgary and, and got back home late last night and, and you know, packed a new bag and, and uh, got ready to, to come here. At what point did you kind of realize that there was the point of no return that you weren't going to be returning to Calgary? I mean, had you always held out hope or when did things maybe take a turn? Uh, I don't know. Um, you know, I was... Um, like I said, I love my time there. Uh, try to work it out, but um, you know, this is just uh, the business night of it. You know, uh, Calgary wanted to, to you know, obviously do something, and, and uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe just after after New Year's, I kind of knew that it would happen. Um, just didn't know when and uh, what team. So uh, I was prepared, but uh, at the same time. Every time you're traded, you're you're kind of shocked, anyways. Is it easier to deal with being traded now at this stage of your career as compared to earlier? Sure <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh, obviously it's easier kind of to to get traded during the summer, but uh, you know I was ready. Uh, I was prepared for for anything, and and obviously uh, didn't know when or or what team, and um, uh, didn't expect to be traded uh, in the air back from Mexico, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, 
like I said, I'm super excited to join this team and, and uh, uh, pumped to get going and start on the road trip and, and you know, uh, it'll be fun. There you go. That's new Vancouver Canucks forward Elias Lindholm speaking to the media in Toronto as All-Star Weekend festivities get underway. The player draft is happening as we speak live on Sportsnet uh, to dive more into uh, this trade between the Flames and the Canucks. You heard him last night on a special edition of Flames Top, but we're checking in again with the host of Flames Hockey here on Sportsnet 960, Pat Steinberg, joining us uh, from BC of all places. Uh, Steinberg, we haven't interrupted your vacation enough, uh, so we thought we'd bring you on once again. What's up, pal? Do you think that maybe, um, you know, maybe the Flames made this deal just to like, you know, if we trade Lindholm, then we don't have to, a bunch of people don't have to go to Toronto. We don't have to send our digital team. We don't have to send <laughs> Peter Hanlon. You know, if we trade him now, we can just avoid a trip to Toronto. That that could very well have been the, the main motivation to do it because now there's no all-star representative. So the Flames will uh, will not be represented this weekend in Toronto. I actually think Conroy got wind of your trip to BC and thought, I'm going to make this happen on Pat's vacation. He doesn't yeah. work enough around here. Yeah, yeah, you know what? I'm just gonna do it now and <laughs> You know what it was actually it was actually pretty cool to see how that whole thing uh played out yesterday. I'm still just kicking myself because we had to do that whole thing on AirPods. It sounded fine. Like I went and I listened to a little bit when I was when we were putting everything up on the podcast channels yesterday, but I, I, I purposely planned. I brought a little little red box that, that makes you sound broadcast quality. I brought a headset and and I took a core. I'm like, I need to make sure that I take a seven pin expander, which yep. means nothing to anybody. But nope. these things go from seven pins into uh, a headphone jack and a mic jack. And I, I thought I brought that. But what instead I brought was a headphone expander that splits one into two, which does absolutely nothing for me. <sighs> they look happens. exactly God, the same. And pain. so when I was going to oh, I was so upset at myself. So really, I mean. Um, if this trade doesn't end up working out, you can blame me for uh, bringing the wrong court. We were we were going to do that yeah. anyways, but um, it's disgusting it's, behavior. Yeah, it's really you know, unprofessional from you, Pat. It's funny. The first thing that Klein <laughs> just said hang to, up on me now. Yeah, first thing Klein <laughs> said to me when he said, "How was last night with you and Pat?" Did just Pat just carry broadcast equipment with him? I said, "Yeah, absolutely does. Just didn't have the right cord last night." Yeah, your suitcase oh, is just one of the kits we have. <laughs> I've done that before. That's how we did. I know. That's how we did the draft <laughs> last year. I brought it in my brought it in my backpack. I had oh. the, the big the big broadcast board in my knapsack, and then I just put it uh, put it in the little the little tray, put it through security, and they were like, "Have a good day, sir." They didn't they didn't seem to care uh, at all, uh, sir. Why do you have this industrial radio mixer with you? Oh, I'm going on holidays to my brother's place in Coquitlam. Uh, sure. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a reasonable thing that you're doing. How about her, sir? Yeah. Uh, look, we're less than 24 hours uh, since this whole thing went down. You and me sort of walked through the process together last night uh, after Elliot's tweet came out that something was brewing between Calgary and Vancouver around Elias Lindholm. Um, less than a day since we've got to, to settle through this, Pat, but how do you kind of process everything now that you've let the dust settle a little bit here? Well, you know what, what I uh, have kind of settled on is I, I think the Flames, the fact that the there's a lot of people talking about, right, like did the Flames go quantity over quality. And, and I understand that because they did end up getting five different assets for the player. But I guess when I looked at it, the, the non-negotiables for me, if they were going to trade Lindholm, were a first-round pick and a high-end prospect. And, and so if they could get those things, I was kind of thinking if they could get a similar package that Horvat got at about this time last year, almost year to the date almost, that the Canucks traded Horvat to the Islanders. If they could get that for Lindholm from whoever he ends up going to, then then I think you could say that's a successful trade. And I think the Flames got that. They got their first-round pick, which was, to me, non-negotiable. They got their high-end prospect. And I know they didn't get LeCaramacchi, and, and that was – I, I think the Flames had eyes on Lakaramaki. I, I really do, but I think that the Canucks were not budging on that front. So uh, I think that was a non-starter. Um, but Brustowicz was another X factor for the Flames, and they looked at him and Lakaramaki and said to themselves, "These are the prospects we want." 
And and when you take a look at what they got in Brustowitz, they got a guy that they don't really have a whole lot of in that respect. I mean, they, we, we know Jeremy Poirier is skating again and, and thus is closer to a return than he's been. But, you know, that's really all they've got prospect-wise in terms of high-end defensemen. And that's not a knock on Solovyov or Kuznetsov. Both those guys, I think the Flames have, believe, have potential to play, but they don't profile as kind of top-of-the-depth chart big-time impact guys, whereas Bruce DeWitt, I think they looked at and said, yes, he's one of the Canucks prospects that we've identified that we believe can be a, a, a high-end impact maker down the road. So they got their top prospect. They got their first-round pick. They got the roster player that we all knew was going to be part of it as well, and in this case, it's Kizmanko. And then they got two other pieces, which I think is is what turns this into a, a good trade to one that I think the Flames absolutely nailed because they got another prospect D, and I know that people aren't maybe as high uh, externally on on Yermo as maybe they are on on Brustowitz, but that's still another defenseman. That's not the area of the organization where maybe they're most deep uh, in terms of prospects. And they got another pick that's going to be in the top, I don't know, 130 at the very worst. So, and it could turn into a top 95 pick. So, you know, just when, when you take all of that into account, you're like, okay, the flames got the quality that everybody pointed out. They got the top prospect. They got the first round pick. Then they got two other future assets to kind of add on to it. And they got the roster player and, and guys, I don't think it's out of the question that Kuzmenko could turn into assets as well. I'm not saying that that is, um, that that is exactly what's going to happen. And the flames are flipping Kuzmenko or bust, but I, I am quite confident that they are looking at all the options when it comes to him and they want to make it work with Kuzmenko now ASAP as soon as possible. They want Kuzmenko to hit the ground running and see if they can get him being an impact player from the get-go. Like, I don't think it's out of the question. We see him with Huberto right from the get-go. You know, that whole idea of sharing Kovic, Huberto, and Kuzmenko as a line, I think it's very much on the table from a few people I've been chatting with. And, and I think they want to get Kuzmenko going so that they have time to evaluate. And they also have time to say, look, change of scenery, better line mates, different position. This guy can still be a good impact forward. He's a right shot guy who can play either side. What are you willing to give us? I already think that the Flames have interest that that could be explored in Kuzmenko. And now you want to see if that value can rise between now and March 8th. You know what? If they don't get the, the target they're looking for, they're happy to continue to build up his value or build up his impact on the team. At worst, they've got a year and a half to see what this guy can be as a member of the Flames. They can deal with the deadline. They can deal in the offseason. They can deal with next year's deadline or they can play him for a year and a half and then see what happens then. Like there's really no downside to the whole thing because that, that was the player that came back to help the salaries work. So all that, all that combined guys, I think the flames did really well. And I'm not trying to say they fleeced the Canucks or anything like that because Vancouver's going for it and they paid it to go for it. And if Lindholm helps them get to a Western conference final or a Stanley cup final, I think the Canucks are going to like what they got, whether they re-sign them or not. So on the surface right now, I think it's a huge trade for Calgary and one that I give a big time green check mark to, but also I think it's a trade that the, the Canucks are going to be happy with regardless of how this goes. If, if Lindholm fits in the way it feels like he wants. Uh, just doubling back on the, the Brustowitz thing for uh, a moment that, that seemed to be the point. Like, obviously you guys were following it on, on the air on, on social media where it was like, okay, Kuzmenko's involved. There's pitchforks and everything. Then this kid gets thrown in and was, Oh, Oh, I kind of like this one. And uh, there's a lot of glowing reviews of this kid so far. But one thing that does have, I think a few people on social media worried is that the play comparisons are of Adam Fox. That didn't go super well here. And there yeah. are some worries about, there were some uh, signability worries out in Vancouver. Is that any kind of a, an issue that you think Flames fans should be worried about here? Absolutely not. In fact, I, I don't think it's out of the question that uh, we find out that, that he's going to sign with the team in the, the not so distant future. Like, I, I think, I think that's kind of one of the next pieces of news that we might hear from the flames is that they've got this guy under contract. Go, uh, 
go read uh, Flames Talk fam member Wes Gilbertson, Gilbertson's piece with Hunter. He's talked to him, and you can tell how excited he is for the opportunity and and the opportunity that he sees with the Flames. So, yeah, my expectation is like that, that we're going to see pen to paper and and those fears alleviated in the in the pretty near future here i don't think it goes very long between you know this deal being made and the flames being able to convince him or or i don't even know if they have to it sounds like he's pretty much already sold so i i I think i think we're going to see that would not be a surprise if we see that in the pretty near future and that just adds a little bit more to the conversation because i don't i i think the canucks had had really good worry about him signing with the team because I don't know if he saw as much opportunity in signing with uh, in, in signing with Vancouver. Whereas you take a look at the Flames, there's a good chance they're going to move on from Tanev. We don't know what's going to happen on the Hannafin front, but I think there's a decent chance that he might not be part of the package here at, at some point as well, and, and they might move on from him too, or they re-sign him. I know that Elliot's talked about how they'd like to, and it's kind of up to Noah at this point. So I, I think at the very least, there's a chance still that Hannafin gets dealt, and, and probably more than a negligible chance. And who knows what else happens as time goes along, the thing about the team is if even with Shillington back, and I think we all believe that Shillington is going to re-sign here as an unrestricted free agent or when the season comes to an end and he's a pending UFA, there's still opportunity here. And and so for a 19-year-old, maybe it's not next season, but what when you take a look at the Flames beyond their top four, let's say Hannafin signs. And Tanev gets moved. Well, your top four is pretty set. You've got Shillington, you've got Rasmus, you've got Uyghur, um, you know, and you've got Noah. So you, you've got you've got your two left, your two right, you've got your two your top four set. But and this is no disrespect to Nick D. Simone or Dennis Gilbert or Jordan Osterley or anybody else who has played in the bottom six this year. But that's been an area that's been very much in flux all season long. And I don't know if Ilya Solovyov or Yan Kuznetsov have proven beyond a shadow of a doubt they're NHLers. You know, Jeremy Poirier, I think we all see him being an NHLer and hopefully in the not-so-distant future, but we know how defensemen develop, so that's not a guarantee. So I think that you, as, as a 19-year-old defenseman, you see opportunity, and you see opportunity in the not-so-distant future as, as kind of, uh, oh, looking ahead to 20, 21 years old. Maybe it's not out of the question that there could be a spot that I could be fighting for, whereas I don't know if that was felt the same way in Vancouver so yeah I I don't think Flames fans have to worry about the signability of of Bruce DeWitts and and I I, I've you know it wouldn't be a surprise if that's resolved here pretty soon Uh, last one for you quickly here Pat just doubling back to Kuzmenko and something that you mentioned with Craig Conroy uh, on our special edition of Flames Talk Wednesday night too this team getting a right shot back that can play on the power play very important regardless of whether the team wants to flip him or try to showcase him, you know, in this next year and a half, that's an asset in an area that the Flames needed to pick somebody back in here. And it might just be a little bit of an added benefit with Kuzmenko here. Yeah. And, and how long have we talked about, you know, you know, what, uh, what, what is it? Uh, mean girls that stop trying to make fetch happen. And, and we were for the longest time. It's like, okay, the flames at some point have got to stop trying to make Lindholm and Huberto happen. And it, it, it maybe took a little bit of a step this year, but really at any point, did you feel like Huberto and Lindholm were made to play with one another? I think you'd have to be squinting big time to see it. So let's see what this guy's let's, let's see what happens maybe they do move Sharon Govich to the middle and now it's Huberdeau on the left and and Kuzmenko on the right maybe that ends up being a really good match maybe that's exactly the type of player that that Huberdeau is is meant to play with I I mean there's there's obviously not been a fit with Lindholm there has been a fit with Sharon Govich they've been uh, a nice duo and if Sharon Govich does move to the middle and, and we'll see if that's what the team wants to do but if that that's something that happens well then all of a sudden maybe his his one-timer threats taken away his off-wing presence is taken away because now he's doing a little bit more heavy lifting down the middle well, that opens up Kuzmenko as a right shot to, to maybe do some damage. And, and especially on the power play, maybe they can put him on the off wing on the power play. And now Huberdeau's got a couple of shooting options with, with Sharon Govich and Kuzmenko on the same man advantage. So it, it does open up some intriguing possibilities. If it's a month and eight days that he's a member of the Flames, if it's the rest of the season, if it's a year and a half, 
I'm really curious to see how Kuzmenko fits in because a guy doesn't almost hit point per game and score 39 goals in his first year in the NHL if there's not something there. He got into a rut. He hasn't been able to get out of that rut this year. It has not been a great fit with the way that Tockett wanted the Canucks to be playing, and there there hasn't been a fit long-term when it comes to the lines. You know, there's been talk about how he needs to battle more and all those types of things. Well, maybe the fit is just better in Calgary this year. Maybe the way Huska wants this team to play is a better fit. Maybe spending time with Huberdeau is a better way to go about it, or, or they find somebody else. You just, you never know. And so, you know, from an immediate standpoint, that's the most interesting part is how does Kuzmenko fit immediately? How does he fit long-term? Is there a chance to flip him for additional assets between now and the trade deadline? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see how this plays out. I, I think it is the, you know, from a Flames fan standpoint, and especially a Flames fan who's looking forward to a rebuild or a retool or a new direction. And I do think we're going to start to be hearing the word retool, even from the organization, a whole lot more here. Um, whatever you as a fan want in that respect, yeah, Kuzmenko is probably the piece you're least excited about because he's soon to be 28 years old. I get that, but it doesn't mean that he's an irrelevant part of this trade because I do think there's some relevance, whether it's between now and the trade deadline or not. Pat, get out of here. Enjoy the rest of your vacation. It's already been interrupted enough, but uh, enjoy BC, pal. Hopefully the next time we check in with you is next week when we're uh, back covering NHL hockey. Hey, look, there's only so much that an uncle can do with an eight-month-old nephew, like <laughs> especially this uncle. Like, what am I going to do with a kid? There's only so much that I can do. So surprised you've been trusted with a child. Now, period. Really. Well, they they supervise very very heavily. I need to be on a leash. So uh, instead of boy, a nur- instead of a nursery, Pat's writing the con- reading the conditions to that uh, fourth round pick. Like, well, and if the Vancouver Canucks do make it to the Western Conference Finals, bye, Pat. Yeah. Bye, friends. See ya. Pat Steinberg, the host of Flames Talk here on Sportsnet 960, and, of course, the host of Flames Hockey, uh, every broadcast right here on Sportsnet 960. In BC, of course, uh, his uh, holiday got interrupted. The special edition of Flames Talk went up uh, Wednesday night, if you're looking for it. Uh, interviews with Elliot Friedman and Craig Conroy moments after the trade with Elias Lindholm to Vancouver. Uh, and Andre Kuzmenko and Pieces returning to the Calgary Flames. You can get that wherever you get your favorite podcast. Take a break. Come back on the other side with our pal Adnan Verk, our Thursday regular next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Lord Gordon and Peter Klein along with you this afternoon. Happy Thursday. Just finished up more reaction from the Calgary Flames and the Vancouver Canucks. Trade Wednesday night that saw... Elias Lindholm sent to the Vancouver Canucks. Andre Kuzmenko and more returning to the Calgary Flames. We'll have more on that, of course, as the show goes on, including a check-in with the color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960. Megan Mickelson is going to join us a little bit later to get her thoughts on the Canucks-Flames swap. But right now, it is a Thursday, which means it's time for our Thursday regular down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast Zone, Adnan Verk. AV, how are you, pal? Welcome. Always a pleasure, my friend. And Rita with Peter Klein as well. So aren't I lucky here on Thursday? I don't know how you could get any better, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> PK, me, you, that's a dream team. I can tell you how it's going to get better. As I teased you last week, dinner with Bob Costas on tap. So I'm uh, currently in Manhattan. I apologize if you have any ambient noise of sirens <laughs> in a minute. But, uh, yeah, 7 o'clock Eastern dinner, and I, I'm a big walker. You know this movie logo. So yes. say, well. You take the train from Jersey to uh, Penn Station, and from there take a cab. and say, oh, I'm going to walk. So 50-minute brisk walk. Weather's not too cold. I get to talk to you and Peter. This is fantastic. Before you know it, I'll be digging into some rigatoni with Bob Costin. Where are you going for dinner? <laughs> so it's a place called Bar Italia. Feel free to look it up right now. 67th and Madison is the address. And um, the always important question is who's getting the bill? So the, the reason <laughs> this is happening. Yeah. So the reason this is happening is Bob knows what a movie guy I am, of course, in addition to the baseball. So he's a big fan of Ben Mankiewicz, who's a host in Turner Classic Movies. Not sure if people are watching TCM in Alberta, but it's, it's awesome. It's all old movies. So I know Ben a little bit uh, from ESPN, and he's a, he's a big baseball fan, big Oakland A's fan. So Bob had said to me, like, oh, you tight with him? I'm like, oh, I'm tight with him. Like, I, I texted him. We, we chatted back and forth. He's very complimentary. I'm complimentary of him. Um, and he's like, well, I'd love to meet him. 
I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe like I'm the intermediary, like a mob boss. Like Bob is getting me to have the sit down with Ben Mankiewicz. So I, I was sitting up Ben, and he's only in L.A. Happens to be in New York shooting some stuff this week. So this is the deal. I, I set it up, and the three of us have dinner. Now think about the context again. Three guys are doing pretty well. Now me and Mankiewicz are not Bob Costas. No. But I think when the check comes, I think when the check comes, everyone makes a move, and you say, okay, let's split it. But I'm, I'm hoping that Bob just goes, no, no. That's who's on the house, Burke. You, you, you set up the dinner. I know you got four kids. You look poor. I got <laughs> you look disheveled from this walk. Yeah. Uh, we, we Adnan, Adnan wore his most wrinkled and unlaundered shirt, yeah. hoping that Bob Costas would feel bad for him to pay for dinner. A thousand percent. Even when I say, <laughs> to Peter's point, when I say, oh, I took the train and just walked 50 minutes, he's like, okay, clearly this guy doesn't have the means. <laughs> they have a car service like I do, a personal driver. Yeah, that's why I was walking. <laughs> yeah, he's still the guy from Kingston, Ontario, who's looking to save a few bucks if he can. So I'll, I'll take care of the rigatoni on me. I, I have looked this place up. It 100% looks like a place that would not allow me to walk into the door. Um, So it, it does look rather nice. I, I would recommend that. You know what? Like, I could, but maybe kind of like T-Rex arm the, the bill a little bit. Like, reach, but like... Yeah. Purposely come up short here. Did we find the same one on Madison Ave? Is that the one we're talking about here, yeah, Burke? Yeah. Yeah, Bar yeah, Italia, 67th and Madison. And to Peter's point, like, I, listen, I will generally take care of the bill, especially if I'm with friends. Like, I think, like, hey, man, I'm, I'm doing pretty well and um, I'm happy to do it. So I, I think it's good to be generous, but I also think it's good to be self aware. Like, Bob Costas is like, <laughs> he, could buy, he could buy and own me. Let's be clear. He's in a different <laughs> stratosphere of success than me. So I think it's okay. To Peter's point, let's short arm it. Yeah. And, it and by the way, if he just says, let's split it, that's fine. I have no issue with that. I'll come on next week. And go, yeah, we all split it. But I think in my heart and in my head, if I, let's, let's, let's play this out that I'm 70-year-old Adam Burke, and I'm calling Logan Gordon saying, hey, I'd love to meet this young whippersnapper here from Calgary. Can you set this up? I kind of feel like if you set it up, you've done the work, and then I'll take care of your meal. That, that's my guess. Yeah, you've, you've, you've contributed enough, yeah. I think. I think that's fair. Right. Which, by the way, I, I don't even know if you need me as an intermediary. Like, that's what I said to my wife. I said, <laughs> you know, like, you're Bob Costas. He could, he could literally just, I don't know, call his agent or call Turner Classic Movies. Hi, uh, call the switchboard. Hi, who runs this company? Yes, this is Bob Costas. I'd like to speak to you. Okay, great. The guy answers the phone. I'd like to speak to Ben Manquist. I'm a big fan of his. I love old movies. I love your channel. And they would just give his number. He would just call Ben. Hey, it's Bob Costas. Like, that's the way this should happen. I'm, I'm actually kind of amused that Bob needs me as an intermediary, but uh, I'm happy to do it. We're going to talk baseball and old movies. It's going to be great. For anyone curious, Bar Italia in New York, a 4.3 out of 5 stars on 397 wow. Google reviews. Alex Hayes, two months ago, had this to say about it. Absolutely delicious food. The atmosphere is chic, sexy, and always happening with a buzz in the air. They always make room for you. Chef Dennis is an artiste, and his team delivers white glove service. My must-go-to every time I visit Manhattan. This sounds swanky, Virk. All right, two more thoughts. And this is is, is pertinent to the bill. Now, I feel like Bob's the type to say, let's get a bottle of wine. I don't drink wine. There's another issue why we shouldn't have split the check. Right? Because why am I paying for your alcohol? Like a bottle of wine, that's going to be, I don't even know, right? 200 bucks, 300 bucks. So I'm like... That's another reason I'm going to short arm it and take Peter Klein's advice. Yeah. Because I'm like, why? Right? I'm not going to pay for this guy's booze. It's like Bob got a little blasted and I had to pay for this. I'm like, no. Uh, and the second point I think I forgot now. Oh, the biggest thing is will there be a second time? Like, I almost feel like this is the sit down, right? I'm doing the job. It'd be amazing if they're like, oh, let's do this in a regular basis. Three months from now, let's do it again. And then maybe I would be the type to go, hey, you know, I'll pay for the next one. Maybe. Yeah, I'll get it next time and, and set that one up. You yeah. are also more confident than I, because if I am, and I, I can't imagine this situation will come up, but if I am ever out to dinner with Bob Costas and Bob Costas orders wine, I am the furthest thing from a wine guy. I'm drinking the wine. I, I'm just like, well, yeah, no, I no, I love that. Oh, it's it, it earthy tones or something. Like, I'll, I'll make something up. Like, I I, I will simply just it drink the like wine. like a delicious barrel of vintage, yes. And try to not cough on Bob Costas after. <laughs> Funny you say that, Peter. I do remember one time at ESPN, there was some sort of celebratory dinner. I want to say World Series. And it was like, you know, big-time guys, at least that I was around. You know, Rick Sutcliffe, Aaron Boone, Alex Cora. And there's probably 12 of us. And I do remember, like, someone's like, hey, bottle for the table. And the guy started pouring the wine in each glass. <laughs> and to your point, I just felt like such an outcast if I told him no. So he pours the glass. I didn't touch it all night. Nobody noticed. Nobody cared. <laughs> so you're right. In a bigger group, you can kind of figure it out. If I feel like if Bob's there and I, I don't know. You're right. I'm going to figure this out. Oh, here, one more thing for you. 
my wife is a big fan of gnocchi. Okay. So she actually said to me, she looks at the menu, she goes, oh, my God, could you get me the gnocchi? Now, this makes things also interesting. What, how, how do I do that? Like, do you wait until the night's almost over and go, hey, by the way, I also want to get gnocchi to take out for my wife. And then look at Bob and goes, don't worry, you don't have to pay for that. Like, how, do, <laughs> how do I do that? So let me do this. Okay, so, Verk, you had two entrees, one for your wife. You had none of the wine, though, so that's, that's a Bob <laughs> thing. Uh, you had two appetizers. Bob had the calamari. I think you're going to have to. Yes, I'll you, the calamari. You yep. might have to, like, pizza pie this thing out and just hope that cost. I think you really got to hope that cost this is just. Has just been drowning in money for so long. He just he almost has a a non cavalier attitude towards picking up the check. That he just expects people to expect him to do it. Yeah, I think you're right. Non cavalier attitude is the key because it, it might be a little. But how about this? When do you order that meal? Like you don't order it with your meal, or do you do it then? Go. By the way, I'd like to get the rigatoni and also for my wife, who's no who's not here. But let's get her the meal. <laughs> I, Klein, you're the married guy here. You're gonna have to help. Like, what happens here? What if your What if your wife does? What are you doing there? See, I again, th- this is the, the the uncouth nature of me. I would order it to begin with. Take one bite of an. Oh, I'm not really feeling that, but I'll I'll I'll, I'll get that to go. My my oh. wife will enjoy Whoa. that. Oh, I, I would play oh. it off as like, oh, that's not really for me, but I think my wife would like that. But then I'm ordering two entrees, Klein. I'm looking at a huge pig. Really, I'm gonna get the rigatoni and the gnocchi. Like, holy smoke, someone's hungry here. See, we've never met in person. Me being a huge pig would not shock someone. It's like, wait a minute, this this six foot four, two hundred and seventy pound man is ordering two entrees. I never. Oh. All right, that's not a bad idea. Let's try it. I'll order both, one bite. Yeah. My wife would love this. I think it's disgusting. She'll yeah. love it. <laughs> yeah. hey, just put that in the box if you don't mind. Just save it. Keep it warm in the back and uh, make sure that when you uh, bring it back out for us. So we do actually have some yeah. some baseball news to talk about. I want to get this. I'm expecting a good story about this next week, but we do have some baseball to talk about as well. Um, Jays finally make a move. We've been waiting since Plane Gate, which feels <laughs> like months ago, uh, where we were yeah. watching What's-His-Name from – like the fifth best guy on Shark Tank, I think is kind of how we determined that guy. And it wasn't yeah. Shohei Otani. And now they've gone out and they've added a bat. I mean, Justin Turner had a great year last year, Verk. But I guess Jays fans are probably a little bit worried that this guy's 39 years old. And that's been the only offensive splash they've made so far. Yeah, I, I totally get the feeling, Logan. If, if Jays fans are like, really, this is the best we can do, it feels a little underwhelming. But I will say to your point, he had a really good year. Like, even I was surprised. I looked at his numbers. 23 home runs, 96 RBI, hit 276. And he cooled off in September, but he, like, he had one stretch in the summer. He had, like, a 913 OPS from, like, May until August. Now, you could argue most players do cool off when the weather gets colder. But the point is, at the age of 38, Justin Turner had a very successful season in the division in the AL East. It's all the pitching he'll be familiar with because he faced it with the Red Sox. So, I think in a vacuum, you go, hey, it's, it's a small risk, right? One year, $13 million. Meh, he's a good hitter. True, he's 39. Maybe this is the year he falls off the map, but maybe he's still as good for another year. Who knows? Um, you clearly need to improve your defense, and that's not at a massive price because you're not committing a lot of years. Like, the term is what I like. The only fear I have is this. I heard some people saying, oh, so now he's the replacement for Chapman. I'm like, no, 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 no. Matt Chapman is an elite third baseman. Like, he's a three-war player primarily on his defense. Justin Turner is a well-below-average third baseman. So they're signing him as a DH. Now, I get it. Vlad Jr. has to have a day to DH once in a while. George Spring has to DH. Okay, all good. We'll figure it out. Turner could play third base on occasion and could play first base on occasion, but he's not going to be the NBA third base. Well, let's be clear. He's going to be a DH. He's going to hit some home runs. He'll drive in some runs, and hopefully it's a small risk, high reward for the Jays. But you're right. Overall, if you're a Jays fan, you go, hang on, 89 wins. We underachieved. All we did was add Justin Turner. I'd still like a little more, namely Cody Bellinger. That's where I was going to go next is the, the, the what could be next for the Blue Jays. Um, I, I think a lot of people assumed once Kiermaier signed that maybe that takes them out of the, the Bellinger sweepstakes with, with now three outfielders that you would trust. But do you think that the Blue Jays could still be players for, for Cody Bellinger? Yeah, I think so, Peter. Like, it, it's interesting because you're right. When Kiermaier got signed, you kind of go, all right, well, I guess that takes them out of the Bellinger sweepstakes because you look at there's only so many spots, right? Dalton Varso is going to be in left field and then, Kiermaier's in center, and, and all of a sudden you got uh, George Springer in right field. But I think there's a way you could make the match, and again, it, it's going to take some creativity because Turner, as I just said, is going to be the DH primarily, but I think there's a way you can make it work, and one guy's a fourth outfielder and coming as a defensive replacement. Like I think Springer and Bellinger would be the guys, obviously, but 
you don't have to play Varsha every day. Now, that hurts a little bit because you go, wait, we gave up Moreno, who looks like he could be Johnny Bench for the next 10 years, and Guriel, who's an all-star, for a guy who's not going to play every day. Like, that's a bit of a tough pill to swallow. But maybe Kiermaier is that guy who's so elite defensively, he comes in as a late-inning defensive replacement. And that contract's fine, right? One year, nine million. That's okay. So I, I think you can make it work. And, and honestly, anybody that looks at the situation goes, what the Jays need, everybody knows this, is a left-handed power bat. And, and the question is, are you willing to believe that Bellinger is all the way back? And you know, he had a great year, 306, 27 home runs, 96, 97 RBI. Like, you feel like in Toronto, he's hit 330 and 100, which is outstanding. But he's also coming off three really disappointing seasons, one year in which he hit a 165. So are you convinced that, yes, because his shoulder got healthy, Bellinger's all the way back, give him the money? If so, go for it. But if not, it makes it a little skittish. And I think, honestly, the deal that makes the most sense he made $19 million last year in a one-year deal. It should be five years for 125 That way he gets a nice little raise. He gets five years. The guy's 29 years old, and everybody wins. But Scott Boris is his agent, and allegedly he's asking for like seven years, 210. Which I'll be honest, the Jays need him, but I don't know if I would commit $210 million in seven years to Cody Bellinger. That's a lot of cheddar. Um, but to answer your question, could you still make it work even though it looks like you have three outfielders? Sure. You can always get creative and make a move and, and try to make things happen because – Again, those guys haven't signed for a reason. Bellinger, Montgomery, Snell, you've still got three big-time free agents available, and now we're into February. I was going to ask why the Bellinger market has been moving so slow, but I, I, I do think you answered it in there. Uh, that, that is, that's a lot of money for a long time for a guy who has now done it once in the last little bit. Um, but on the, the Snell and Montgomery market, probably not for the Blue Jays, but why do you think that those markets have moved slow as well? Well, again, the Scott Boris guy, so like he is the type that he likes to wait it out, He's not going to feel pressured by the market. He knows what the price is that he wants for his clients and believes that he'll be able to get it. And the pivot is, as I apologize for the sirens, which you were expected at some point, uh, but the, the pivot is, well, if I'm not going to get seven years, 210 for Blake, I'll just take a high AAV and a short-term deal, you know, three years for 100, and we'll figure it out. So I think Boris is the type that, again, he gives his numbers, he dictates it to the teams, whoever wants it, you want it, you want it. If not, fine. I think the Cubs, it makes the most sense that Bellinger re-signs there. He loved being on that team. He felt comfortable in that team. Chicago is a great baseball city. He revitalized his career. Like, it's a no-brainer. Like, dude, Chicago should sign him. He should sign with Chicago. But I think they looked at 7 and 210 and go, uh, no chance. Let's just wait a little bit. So while they're waiting, there's no other potential suitors. For Bellinger, the really the only one that makes the most sense is the Jays. I think if the Jays were to pony up, then all of a sudden the Cubs could be in trouble and, and he would seriously consider Toronto. Um, as far as Snell is concerned, you know, the Yankees are a little bit interested, but that, that feels almost too close to the Rodon deal. Like they gave Rodon six years, 162. And I think for Snell, you got to go like six for 180, $30 million a year. Again, I love Blake Snell. I just met him last week, actually. Baseball Writers Association of America dinner here in New York City. Uh, I was covering for MLB Network, so I interviewed Blake Gafford. He's a great guy. He's very down to earth. He's very chill. He's one of seven pitchers ever to win two signing awards in two leagues. Like, I love him, but I don't know if I would also give him $30 million a year in six years. So, um, listen, they're going to sign somewhere. Obviously, these guys are big-time talent. And Boris is a type. If I can't get the years and the dollars I want, I'll go shorter-term, higher AAV, so my client will still be happy. And Montgomery, I've said all along, I don't know how he doesn't stay in Texas, right? You picture the Yankees, right. picture the Cardinals, help lead the Rangers to the World Series. Again, no-brainer. Texas has the money. They've got the deep pocket. Just resign them. I, I think it makes sense for both sides. So, we'll see. Assuming that the Jays don't get Bellinger, because we, we have assumed the opposite on a couple of players now, and it has hurt very badly. So, uh, assuming that the Jays don't get Bellinger, if Turner is it, is this team good enough to compete for an American League East title this year? Man, um, I suppose, because you said compete. Like, I don't think they're the favorite. Can they compete? Yes, but I don't think they're the favorite. I don't think they're the second-best team either, if we're being totally honest. I think Baltimore is legit. You know, it, it, there's no reason to expect Baltimore won't be great again. Bautista injury certainly hurts them. He's a mountain of a man as their closer. But they're calling up Jackson Holiday, who's the number one prospect in baseball, Matt Holiday's kid. And another year of Gunnar Henderson and Ali Rutschman getting better. Like, again, barring injury, Baltimore's still going to be really good. They're a 100-win team last year, as we all know. The Rays, everyone always ignores, and somehow they win 95 games. Um, the Yankees won 82 but they added Soto, who's an absolute stud, top 10 hitter in baseball. So that's worth a few wins. Now it's 85. Rizzo's healthy. Okay, 86 wins. Stanton bounces back, maybe 87 wins. 
And then they got Stroman, who I've always been a big fan of from his days of the Jays. That yes, he's mercurial. Yes, he can be a little uh, temperamental, but he's a great pitcher, man. That first half of the year, Showman was an all-star and very much a top-five Cy Young conversation. So I thought the Yankees are high 80s, uh, maybe 90 wins. And what were the Jays? 89 wins. So there's your answer. You go, okay, you're still not better than Baltimore or Tampa. The Yankees probably with you. They're definitely better than Boston. That's the good news for Toronto. I think the Red Sox have been a very inactive offseason. They trade Chris Sale, which is probably the right move, because who knows what you're getting from Sale. But their, their pitching already was a weakness. It got even weaker. Vaughn Grissom is supposed to be a stud. I think he fits in well with Boston. But if I'm a Toronto Blue Jays fan, I still look at my team and go, 89 wins a year ago, I have to hope that Springer has a bounce back. I have to hope Manoa has a bounce back. I have to hope Vlad steps it up back to 2021. I'm hoping more than actually dealing in reality, I feel like. Uh, before we let you go to dinner with Bob Costas, a couple of the people in the text line have been kind enough to give you some advice as to how to handle this situation with your wife wanting gnocchi before you leave. Uh, Curtis yeah. says, uh, where did it go here? Leave when everyone else is leaving and then just come back. Make sure the Costas is gone and then order your wife the gnocchi and, and just take it home with you. So that's from Curtis. He's done that before. That's not bad. Uh, and this one says, wait till near the end of the meal, corner your server as you hit the washroom, order the gnocchi on a separate bill and make sure you just pick it up on your way out. Easy peasy. Okay. I like both those options. I like the move of they leave. And I just scuttle back. That's fine. But the better move probably because you're right. If I just go to the bathroom, that's an easy one. Hey, yeah. I need gnocchi. Here's my card. Just just hit me on the way out. Okay, yeah. cool. All right. Uh, I'm looking I, forward. I, I like a, actually, I like a, I like a combination of those two. Actually, I like to, I like to hit server <laughs> before, but then I will leave with them, and then come back, and the food's right there. So I like it. Excellent job for the textures. Thank you. Uh, Verk, you're the best. Enjoy your dinner tonight, pal. Look forward to hearing about it next week. All right, local PK, I appreciate it. <laughs> Stories next Thursday. Take care. Adnan Vert joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, Guest Hotline, MLB Network, NHL Network, and, of course, the Cinephile Podcast. He's hooking up with Bob Costas, one of the legends in sport broadcasting, for uh, a dinner tonight in New York. And uh, we were talking with him last week. We had Julian uh, in the co-host chair, PK, and um, we're just talking about how like Verk meets these people and it's kind of his love of movies yeah. that has hooked him up with a guy like Bob Costas because Costas listens to Cinephile is a big movie guy. And so it's kind of how him and Verk got this whole dinner together. And uh, we were bugging Verk because he was at Critics Choice Awards and he was hamming it up with the cap, uh, not DiCaprio, um, all the celebrities, John Hamm, okay, a bunch of those guys. So Verk's always good for a little uh, entertainment story here and there as well. Yeah. You think between the two of them, because obviously, if anyone listened to the first time I was here, uh, the, the movie part isn't as strong for me as the, the sports thing is. Between Costas and Verk, what sporting event haven't they covered? Oh, God. You know, like Costas has done NBA Finals, World Series. Verk has done NFL Draft, working for uh, MLB Network. Um, they, they've both done NFL stuff. Verk, WWE, and the Masters. Uh, Bob Costas has probably done the Masters before too. Like yep. you have to, you'd have to go a ways down. Verk's covered boxing as well. Uh, you'd have to go a ways down the sporting sporting list. Basically, that stupid slap fighting thing that Dana White has <laughs> is probably the only thing those two guys haven't covered. Yeah, like, uh, the first thing that came to mind when you said that was maybe UFC. Yeah, was Verk, kind of Verk did boxing for DAZN. Yeah, um, but yeah, uh, specifically MMA. I don't know if. And I'm I'm fairly certain Bob Costas hasn't hasn't done that. So yeah, probably Verk's a huge tennis guy. He's been all over those, oh, yep. of course. So yep. yeah, it's a good question, actually. Be, maybe I'll save that one for next week and ask Verk if he thinks there's something between the two of them they haven't actually covered. As far as the major sports go in North America, I can't imagine no. there's much that they've missed. No, probably not. Uh that'd be a fun dinner to be a part of. Looking forward yeah. to hearing those stories uh from Verk next week. Uh, he's a Thursday regular here on Sportsnet today. Slogan and uh, Peter along with you. It is Sportsnet today here on Sportsnet 960. You're going to take a break. Come back on the other side in hour two. We'll have Megan Mickelson join us. She's the color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960. Get her reaction to the Flames and the Canucks swap on Wednesday night. Take a break. Kicking off hour two next here on Sportsnet 960. The fan.